Welcome. I'm Sebastian Mafud, and you're listening to WCAT Radio, the on-air wing of En Route Books and Media, bringing you the dulcet sounds of Catholic wisdom with our host, Bob Olson, who will now introduce today's show and speaker. Presenting, if you know Mary, you know Jesus. This program will help you know more about Mary, the mother of Jesus. And right now we go to our host, Bob Cantoni. Bob, good to have you back. Hey, Bob, glad to be here. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, and uh, I'm looking forward to tonight's program. And likewise, i got some good stuff to talk about tonight. So I'm very, very excited about it, and I believe it was put on my heart by Our Lady to talk about this. Uh, what I'm going to do is tie in, well, a couple of weeks ago we had Our Lady, Our Lady of Lords, uh, the Feast of Our Lady of Lords that has to do with Bernadette, and the title that Mary uh, told Bernadette that she was to be called, and also I'm going to tie it into what St. Maximilian Colby uh, wrote about so it, it, it's very very good stuff very powerful and uh, to me it, it, it blows me away but I'm very excited to talk about it so so anyways let's uh, let's start with a prayer because I know that's so important we're going to invite our lady in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit amen and one other prayer I like to uh, do uh, with the sign of the cross is this one May the will of the Father, made known by the Son, by the power of the Holy Ghost, reign in me and through Mary, today and always. Amen. And dear Immaculate Mother, we invite you, please come in, in, in the holy name of Jesus and surround us and protect us, this radio show and all the listeners, uh, with your heavenly mantle of grace, with all the holy angels and saints and souls in purgatory, St. Joseph, Please come and be with us, pray with us, pray for us, intercede for us. And we ask you, dear Blessed Mother, to, um, to inspire us by the, by the power of your spouse, the Holy Spirit. Help us to open our hearts and minds to all that God wants to teach us, all that you want us to know, all that you want to teach us, your motherly role, your title, the Immaculate Conception. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm speechless, but uh, so blessed mother, we ask you also to, to pray for us, intercede for us, and be with us, and protect this, this uh, time that we are sharing um, in these beautiful truths of our Catholic faith, and um, what more can I say, Bob? Let's say, let's say uh, an Our Father, Hail Mary, and glory, me, uh, glory be to the Father, in honor of the Immaculate Conception, and in honor of our blessed mother, and for, for, this, for this time that we, have, that we share. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. And we invite all those great Marian saints, St. Saint Pope John Paul II, St. Mother Teresa, St. Maximilian Colby, St. Louis de Montfort, um, St. Teresa, all these big cats, St. Alphonsus, all these wonderful saints, please pray for us, intercede for us, protect us as well. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. 
Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. And, you know, before I start, I'd like to also go right into our rosary meditation, because uh, that, that is so powerful. And we bring the rosary in and, and the prayer, the power of the rosary to help us along. Is there anything that you want to add at this point, Bob, or shall I go on? Uh, Mary, Mother Mary, will you be my Valentine? <laughs> Thank you. That's beautiful. Me too. <laughs> and actually, that, that's what, uh, this, yeah, this, this show, in her honor, is our Valentine to her. That's right. How's that? So, okay, thank you. So, anyways, last week, the Rosary Meditation, we talked about the, uh, the, the baptism of Jesus. And our Lord says, as St. John almost stopped and says, should it not be you that should be baptizing me? And our Lord says, no, let it be so to fulfill all righteousness. So, our Lord came to fulfill the will of his Father in righteousness. And, you know, it's, I was just meditating on that um, a little while ago, too. And, and our Lord came, you know, John preached the baptism of repentance of our sins. And here's Jesus coming to be baptized by St. John. And he uh, permitted himself to be exposed. I mean, the rest of the crowd must have thought, well, he's a sinner because he's coming to be baptized. So you can see the incredible humility of our Lord to fulfill all righteousness because he came to take upon the sins of the world and to be crucified so that the sins could be put to death on the cross. So he came to become sin, to take on our sins. It's incredible. So I just wanted to add that. What a, what a, what a God we have. Thank you, Jesus. I can't thank you enough, and I, we love you so much, Lord, and we praise you for all that you did and fulfilling that moment of righteousness with John the Baptist, the sanctified baptism. Amazing, amazing. So the next meditation tonight is um, the wedding at Cana, right? And this was the beginning or the, the ushering in of his proclamation of the kingdom to start his public ministry. So we go to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, or 1 through 11, actually. But And here's what it says. And the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus also was invited and his disciples to the marriage. And the wine falling, failing, the mother of Jesus saith to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what is that to me and to you? My hour is not yet come. Now, I want to stop there for a minute because it's very easy to say, Well, Lord, are you kind of shutting our mother up? <laughs> you know, that could be the tendency or the temptation. But if you read on the context, it's, it has, it's, nothing can be further from the truth. But I have a commentary at the bottom here, and I'd like to read that because I, I think it's a, it's a beautiful way of explaining it. And the commentator, I believe, is a bishop. Um, read that so, but, part of the scripture again. You want me to read that again? Yeah, just that one part about the woman. 
Okay. And he says, um, and Jesus said to her, woman, what is that to me and to thee? My hour is not yet come. Now, let me just read uh, the, the, the response from Mary, because that tells it all. Because if Jesus was angry at her, why would she even respond in this way? So it doesn't make sense. So it just doesn't fit the context. But, and he, he says, his mother says to the waiters, do whatever he tells you. So, you know, I mean, you could deduce from there that it's impossible for him to be angry. All right? So anyways, let me read what the commentators say. This is beautiful. This is very, uh, very deep and helped me to understand what's going on here. And, it's, and the words, what is that to me? These words of our Savior, spoken to his mother, have been understood by some commentators as harsh. They not, they not consider the next following verse. Whatsoever he shall say to you, you do. Which plainly shows that his mother knew of the miracle that he was to perform, and that it was at her request he wrought it. Can you imagine that? At Mary's request. <laughs> How many times does Jesus bring about miracles at his mother's request? It doesn't stop here at Cana. It's continuing today. They lived together for 30 years. That's right. And, you know, I'm talking about right now. Our lady is interceding for us before her son, and she is asking him for miracles for us. Right. And, she, and he never refuses her. And it is beside the manner of speaking words as to the tone and the countenance shown at the same time, which could only be known to those who were present. So we don't know. What, the, what he's saying there is we don't know the tone at which Jesus spoke. The only ones that do know are those that were present there. But you, it's clear to me, and you can deduce that, you know, his tone must have been very respectful to his mother. What does that have to do with you and me? Is it, in other words, is it time? You know, that's amazing. It's amazing. So uh, let me just finish up. For words indicating anger in one tone of voice would be understood quite the reverse in another. So that, that's, that's a pretty decent explanation. And, um, and, and this one helped me out a lot. Okay, so let's go on with the, with the scripture, what it says. Now, there were, there were six water pots of stone, according to the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three measures apiece. Jesus saith to them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And Jesus saith to them, Draw out now and carry, and carry it to the chief steward of the feast. And they carried it. And when the chief steward had tasted the water made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the waiters knew who had drawn the water, the chief steward calleth the bridegroom, and saith to him, Every man at first setteth forth, setteth forth the good wine, and when men have well drunk, that which is the worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning, this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Wow. <laughs> wow. What can we say? I mean, this is the foreshadowing of the Eucharist, how Jesus changes his body, blood, changes the, wine, the, water and the, uh, the, the bread and wine into his body, blood, soul, and divinity. A foreshadowing of that, but not only a foreshadowing of 
what his miracles of grace do in us to transform us into other Christs. We are to be transformed from the old man, says St. Paul, into the new man in Christ. So, and St. Paul also tells us that if we are crucified with him, we shall also rise with him. And our Lord, our Lord again told um, the Pharisees, um, with a story where they would try to trip him up with, well, whose wife shall she be, the seven wives? Or whose husband shall she be? Shall he be? And our Lord says, well, they will be like the angels at the resurrection. So, but um, the Eucharist, the Eucharist is present, I want to talk just a little bit about. And our Lord says in John chapter 6, he says, unless if you eat of the flesh of the Son of the Man and drink of his blood, you do not have life in you. But he who eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood, I abide in him and he in me, and I will raise him up on the third day. Now, if you read John chapter 6, when he was explaining this, I am the bread of life that come down from heaven. My flesh is real meat. My blood is real drink. So they asked him plainly, what are you talking about? Can you, can you tell us what you mean by eat your flesh and drink your blood, and he clearly says, in literate, literal form, very literally, he says, my blood, my flesh is real meat, my blood is real drink. So here we see our Lord in his humility uh, performing this miracle at the request of his mother. And here's the, here's the Lord of heaven and earth, the Alpha and the Omega, the, the infinite majesty, the almighty, powerful God, being submissive to a creature. So we get an indication of his humility. And also we get an indication of his incredible humility by being placed in the womb of his mother, or conceived in the womb of his mother, where he left tremendous glory with his father, he, he, he left everything, he gave up everything to be born, to be conceived where the, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's incredible humility, to be in the womb of his mother for nine months, the all-powerful, omniscient God. So to question that the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist, you know, to say, well, how could God do something like that? Well, I would say that you don't really have an idea of his incredible humility because that's exactly what he does. He's, so, he's, he's infinite humility, and he is so willing to, to, to humiliate himself to the degree to be present for us in the form of bread and wine because that's how we're able. He makes it easy for us to approach him in his, in his humility and to receive his, his, his precious body, blood, soul, and divinity, which provides us the transforming grace, the sanctifying grace, so that we can become just like him. You become what you eat. So, and I guess one of the other arguments in John 6 was um, that, uh, you know, how could this man give us his flesh and blood to drink? Is that not cannibalism? Well, if you read the Song of Solomons, it talks about how we, we, um, the, the, we nurse from the breasts how beautiful are your breasts? It's talking about the church. Not only that, it's also talking about the mother of God who is the model of the church. So no more is it that an infant feeding from his mother's breast milk, can we call that cannibalism, 
can we call eating on the flesh and blood of our Savior, who, by the way, those are his words, can we call that cannibalism? Because we are simply nursing from the breasts of Holy Mother Church, which is that of the sacraments. And the source and summit of our faith is the Eucharistic presence through which all grace flows. It's that simple. So I just wanted to make that connection. And, well, and I, want to add something. I want to add something to it also. Sure. Because in St. Faustina's diary, uh, 1385, Jesus said, When I come to a human heart in Holy Communion, my hands are full of all kinds of graces which I want to give to the soul. But souls do not even pay attention to me. They leave me to myself and busy themselves with other things. They treat me as a dead object. And then this comes from, uh, this is quoted in the book by Vinnie Flynn from Stockbridge. Mm -hmm. In his book, Seven Secrets of the Eucharist. And he starts in the first chapter, Secret One. This, the, the secret one is the Eucharist is alive. Right. That may seem obvious to you. I guess it was to me at some intellectual level, but somehow I never really thought very deeply about what that actually meant. The Eucharist is alive. Now listen to this. Sure. If a stranger who knew nothing about the Eucharist were to watch the way we receive, would he know this? Wow. Would he know that the Eucharist is alive? When you and I approach the Eucharist, does it look like we believe we are about to take into our bodies the living person, Jesus Christ, true God and true man? Wow, Bob. How many times, Lord, have I forgotten that the Eucharist is alive? As I wait in line to receive you each day, am I thinking about how much you want to unite yourself with me? Am I seeing your hands filled with graces you want to give me? Am I filled with awe and gratitude that you love me as much as to actually want to come to me in this incredibly intimate way? Amen. I've talked to many priests, and they say that uh, there's a lot of people coming, coming to communion, and they don't. They uh, they've got they act like they don't know what's going on. Even you know. Well, that's exactly what they act. That's because they don't know what's going on, and that's, that's a very why good it's point. Up to us, we have to tell people this. We have to tell people. The I agree, Bob. Alive. Yes. The Eucharist is alive. And we really, really need to teach people because this is so important. Because we render ourselves, as Jesus says, unprofitable servants. We go and act, you know, we go go through the motions. We go to church, I receive Holy Communion, but you act as if he's not even there. Or we all do. We all do at one point or other, but... We're trying to bring this to the, to the attention of people because he's truly present there. You know, 
I was raised with that teaching that, that, you know, by the holy nuns. They're beautiful nuns. I thank God for them. They taught me about the presence of Jesus. But it never really penetrated. It, I, never really, I never really brought that to life in myself. It was kind of dead, dormant, you know. But what truly brought it to life for me is when I read, I can't remember what chapter, but Our Lady speaking to Father Goldie in the messages of the Mary movement of priests, the book is called To the Priest, Our Lady's Beloved Sons. She said over and over, my son truly is present, body, blood, soul, and divinity. He really, really is present. She said it over and over. And finally it broke through and I realized, and I went into the church next day, and I'm looking around, I'm like, he's here. And I genuflected as if I meant it. And I bowed and genuflected, and I looked at the Eucharistic presence or the tabernacle where I knew the Eucharistic presence was, and I bowed and I said, my Lord and my God, and I know you're there. Bob, I tell you, after that, amazing things started to happen. Because Jesus is asking us to have faith. He says he's not asking us to be understanding. He never said to Thomas, be no longer misunderstanding and understand. He said, be no longer unbelieving, but believe. When he says, this is my flesh and this is my blood, he means it. It's clear as day. So not only is it his flesh and blood, well, the whole person contains his soul and divinity. Otherwise, you can't. I'm sorry? Times have I treated, have I... How many times, Jesus, have I treated you as a dead object? Wow. The host that we receive is not a thing. It's not a wafer. It's not bread. It's a person. That's right. He's alive. That's exactly right. That in many of our churches, a stranger in our midst witnessing a typical Sunday liturgy would not realize this, but would simply see a bunch of people getting up from their seats, wait in line, receive a piece of bread, and then go back to their seats. Well put. Whoever wrote that, he's, he's on the money. He's trying to spark, he's trying to get, help us to snap out of it. Because what, what happened to me, and I, and I say this, is once I responded to Jesus, and his mother, and what she said of that she, he is truly present, and I responded in faith, and I believed with my heart. I, it literally like a, was a light that went on, and I believed. So my response to God, to Jesus, in the Eucharist, is that, Jesus, I believe you're truly present. And his response to my faith, you know what it was, Bob? Is that he revealed himself. Can you imagine? So, what's the point I'm trying to make? Our response to God is faith. The whole gospel is riddled with Jesus saying, it is your faith that healed you. It is your faith that cured you. The woman that touched his, uh, with the, no, the one with, uh, we just read, with the, with the dog, she says, even the dogs don't eat the, scrap, eat the scraps from the table that the children spill. Why did our Lord bring her to that point? Why did he not just heal her? Because he wanted to show, especially the ones that are going to read this gospel, 
what great faith she had. He pushed her to that limit so that it could expose her great faith. Why? Because this is what pleases God. And he tells us God cannot be pleased without faith. He can't. And those that didn't have faith, even amongst his kinfolk, when he, when he, when, uh, the time that he was in, in his own town and he couldn't do many healings. Why? Because they lacked faith. And what did he do? He looked around in anger at that. Can you, in disbelief that my own people don't even have faith. So it is our faith that pleases God. And when we respond to God in faith, and I say, Lord Jesus, I don't understand, like St. Peter, when, when, when Jesus in John chapter 6 turns to Peter and says, will you leave me too? And Because and, our Lord was not going to compromise that truth. There's no way. He says, if you want to leave me, that's fine. I'll go find 12 others. You know, basically, if you read in between the lines, I bet you that's what he was thinking. And our Lord, and Peter says, Lord, where will we go? Because you have, etern- you have the words of eternal life. So basically, Peter's saying is, I don't understand. But from what I've seen in the past before this, all those miracles and what he's doing and changing the baskets, the 12 baskets of bread and multiplying the loaves and the fish and the, and the water changed into wine and walking on water. Peter's saying, I don't understand, but I've got to believe this guy because something very good is here. But that's all that Jesus is asking us. Just believe and he will reveal his Eucharistic presence one way or another. Maybe he'll fill your heart with peace. Maybe he'll fill your heart with joy. Some people actually see Jesus in the Eucharist. Whatever it may be, he's going to reveal himself to you in the way he sees fit for you, but you will know it, 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 by your faith that he is truly present there. You know, I may have shared this before with you, but here I was in this little town in upper Michigan, near the Canadian border. Yep. And I'm sitting before the tabernacle, right? Uh-huh. And the Lord seemed to say to me, you know, if I wanted to, I could have a little ray of light come out of that tabernacle. <laughs> right? Hey, did I share yeah. this before? No, I want to hear it. No, this is good. Please. If I, if I wanted to... I could have a little ray of light come out of that tabernacle. <laughs> and people would come from all over the world to this little town. Amen. Again. But you know what he said? No. I don't want to do it that way. Right? I don't want to do it that way. I want... I want you to come to the tabernacle because you want to come to the tabernacle because I'm here. That's right. He's a person. That's why I want you to come to the tabernacle. I'm alive. That's right. I'm here. That's right. I want to heal you. I want to comfort you. That's right. I want want you to take away your anxiety, your, your worry, your concerns. I want to give you my peace and my love, and my joy. Amen. Amen. Not, a little, not a little ray of light coming out of the, the tabernacle. I yes, and that's good. You know, and he's just like any other person. God wants to be loved. That's right. He wants to be loved. Who does not want to be loved? You know, why, why, you know, why should God 
do all these wonderful things, and then we say, like the, the nine lepers, the one that didn't, there was only one that came to say thank you, and the nine left. They got healed, and they said, sayonara, thank you. They didn't even say thank you. They left him without any gratitude to go on with their lives, whatever they did, without even, uh, without even uh, an inkling of trying to get to know who Jesus is. You know, it's just sad. But that's true, Bob. He wants our hearts. And what comes to mind is his last words when, when, you know, when he's being on the cross, what did he say? I thirst. And he thirsts for what? He's thirsting for our love. He's thirsting for souls. He's thirsting for to be loved. And then, of course, you know, he's calling us to the, to the, to the summit of the cross to, so, that we, so, so that he could love us and that he could be loved. And then he dies for us. And what happens? The soldier pierces his side with the lance, and what pours forth? The sacramental life, the blood and water, the sacramental life. So when we go before the Eucharist, we go before the cross, and he pours out his blood and water, the sacramental life, his grace and his mercy. That's it. So he's satisfying our thirst to be loved, and all he's asking is to satisfy his thirst back to be loved. That's it. Like you say, he does all these things, and we say, what have you done for me lately? <clears throat> I, uh, yeah. I, used, I used to be uh, a uh, Division One. Uh, college hockey broadcaster, you know. <clears throat> and so I get a chance a lot of times to talk on campus because, you know, everybody knew me. And and I would talk to the college students, and especially these seniors and the ones that were graduating and leaving. And I would say, you know, uh, if you're, when you graduate and you're, you get a, your dad get you a brand new car because you graduated from college and you go down to Florida and when you get there, you say, they ask you, where'd you get that nice car? Oh, I earned that. <laughs> I earned that. I right? said, no, 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 no. You didn't get that car because you earned it. You gave that, got that car as a gift from your dad. Right. And I said, it's the same thing with God. You didn't, you didn't earn anything, all of the, any of these things. It was God that made this all possible for you. And you're saying, what have you done for me lately? Wow. I earned right. this. I earned, I earned all this stuff I have here. You didn't earn yeah. anything. That's right. <laughs> they were born in, uh, in, in Africa. What could you earn there? Right. That's a good point. You're in this that's country, good. and that's, God has made it possible. He's blessed yeah. by having you born in this country. Yeah, somehow, in original sin and what we inherited, we have an ego problem. All of us, we do. We we all do, including me. Right, and ego. Somehow, it's an ego problem, yeah. and somehow we believe that the universe revolves around us, yeah. and then we tend to or be t are tempted 
to try to mold God the way we want him to be, the way we think God ought to act and behave towards us. We're always like, in a sense, telling God, uh, you know, I want you to do this for me, and I want you to do that for me, I want you to heal me, in every way that we think that he ought to heal us or do things for us. Yeah. Bob, it ain't never going to (laughs) happen. We could be thinking that way until the cows come home. It ain't going to happen. Why? Because we need to realize that God is God and we are not. Right. And we are to be molded according to what he thinks we ought to become. And as long as we think that we could manipulate God into what we think he ought to become, we're never going to be happy. Forget it. We're like the bad thief on the cross. There's two thieves next to Jesus that were crucified. You've got the good thief and the bad thief. The bad thief was, was angry at God. It's obvious. Jesus, why don't you come down that, off that cross? Prove to, you that, prove to us that you're God and save yourself and save me while you're at it. Yeah. Didn't you not know? Lord, this is what I think he was thinking. Didn't you know that I was a zealot for you? I tried to do everything to bring down the Romans and and how I, you know, prayed for the Messiah to come. Boy, are you a disappointment to me, Jesus. So that bad thief, number one, is incredibly ungrateful. Number two, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Number three, he's telling God what he thinks God ought to do for him. And what is Jesus left to do? But to bow his head in bitter anguish and weep bitterly because, he can't, because there's nothing he can do for this man. But to the, bad, to the good thief, what does he do? He humbles himself before God. Unlike the bad thief, in his pride and his arrogance, he was resisting God's grace and God was resisting his pride. And the good thief humbled himself and thought to himself, well, I deserve everything I get. Jesus you don't deserve this. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Right. What did Jesus say? Bob, that is the whole answer to our human problem. Right. We need to bow before God, bow humbly before God, and say, you know what, God? I'm the mess, not you. <laughs> Heal me, Jesus. I'm willing to do it your way now. Just like our lady said in Cana, do whatever he tells you. I teach, a course, I teach a course uh, for people on how to pray for their, their husbands and their wives and their loved ones, their children, and so forth, right? Right. And I tell them, I said, now, if you want to become a great prayer warrior, you know, with your, your family, your neighbors, whatever, if you want to become a great prayer warrior, I said, you've got to remember two things, okay? Number one. You can't heal anybody. <laughs> right? Okay. Number Amen. two, you're not God. <laughs> now, if you can yeah. remember those two things, <laughs> you'll do fine. <laughs> when you pray over people, I said, you're going to be a tremendous prayer warrior. Amen. The Jesus said to uh, St. Josepha Mendenez, I love to quote this. Sure. He said to her, Josepha, 
I want you to be nothing. Yeah. So I can be everything. Amen. See, that's, that's it. That's the key, right? That we is the sun. We want. That we don't want to be anything. We want God to be everything. That's exactly right. And He'll do it. Yes, He will. We're, and, disciples. You know, We're disciples. That's right. We are nothing. We, we read in the book of Genesis, from dust I, I formed you out of dust. That's because right. you have sinned, to dust you shall return. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. What a stri- start, startling reality that is. I mean, that open. we need to open our eyes because oh, we yeah. are nothing. And, and, and soon we realize that, and here's the key, because that is, what you just said, Bob, when you quoted from that, uh, who was, what saint, uh, from yeah. that book. Josefa Mendenez. Right. That is the science of the saints, the secret of the saints, because we humble ourselves before God and realize that I am nothing. Therese. But God can take you. God can take you. Huh? St. Therese. She Amen. She gave everything to God. That's right. Everything. That's right. And we need to ask God for that grace to teach us this humility because it's absolutely essential if you want to grow in a spiritual life. She, came, it's absolutely, she became huh? a doctor of the church. Right. And she died. She only lived 22 years. Yeah. She knew it all too well, and she learned it fast and because fact, of her surrender. She didn't offer any resistance. That's, that's right. And that's, that's another important part, you know. We surrender. We surrender our free will so that well, there's not a hint of resistance from our own selfish free will. But here's the key, too, Bob. I just want to mention this, and then because uh, I don't want to, I don't want to, um, I, I want to, I want to say the ten hail mary. I want to say the decade too. Yeah. But um, when we say, you know what, God, I am nothing, in that kind of humility, and God becomes everything for us, then He now He can work in our lives, and because we can say, apart from God, I am nothing. Right. But when I humble myself before God and, 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 and act like and do as I am nothing and let God fill me, I become everything That's because right. God is everything. That's the key. When we're willing to surrender and, and, and totally um, pour ourselves out or, or die to self like that, unless a grain of a wheat falls to the ground and dies, it just remains a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So we need to die to self, humble ourselves before God, die to self, let him fill us with his divine life, and this nothing suddenly becomes everything in God. That's it. Right. Oh, good. I'm, I'm, that's, that's, I'm excited, Bob. <laughs> that's good stuff. Isn't it? Anyways, I, I, we could Alive. probably... He's alive. He's alive, and he is alive in the Eucharistic presence as, as, as clear as I'm talking to you right now, Bob. Not a piece of bread. It's not a wafer. It's not a after the consecration, nope. Once that priest consecrates that bread and wine, it is Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. It is him. So, good teaching. All right, let's, uh, 
before we run out of time, <laughs> and I, I wanted to talk about the Immaculate Conception. We might have to talk about it next week. But anyway, maybe we could start it. So let's do the let's do the decade of the Rosary in honor of the wedding at Cana, in honor of Jesus and Mary and our Lord performing those miracles to show to to get him started in his public ministry. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those most in need of thy mercy. And in honor of the Blessed Sacrament, O Sacrament Most Holy, O Sacrament Divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine. You know what I'm thinking, Bob? I think, you know, since we were started on the Eucharist, and I, you know, I always pray, Blessed Mother, this is your show. You 
let us know what you want us to, t- to teach. And, you know, and I think, I think it's the Eucharist. And, and what I'll do is I'll wait for the Immaculate Conception. We'll, we'll pick up on that next week. I think it's very important. I don't want to start halfway in between because I kind of want to make it flow, you know. But uh, let, what also came to mind during the rosary uh, to, the, the, to, the, the, to the decade is, um, you know, our, blessed, our Lord Jesus obtained his flesh and blood from one person. He did not have a biological father. No. So he has running in his veins the blood of his mother. Right. Now, <laughs> you can't deny that. That's exact. And his flesh he obtained totally from the flesh of his mother. And the word became flesh in the womb of the Virgin Mary and dwelt among us. Oh, my goodness. So... I do want to share um, one of my experiences on the Eucharist. And by all means, Bob, if you can think of anything else, please jump right in because I think this is important. But how, what happened to me a while ago, I would say maybe about 22, 23 years ago, maybe 25 years ago, just beginning with my faith, but I really, like I said before, was, was set on fire when Our Lady in the Mary Movement of Priests says that my son truly is present. He really, really is present in the Eucharist. So I believed, and, and amazing things started happening. So I went to one, I went on, on the Feast of Corpus Christi, by the way, um, I went to Mass, and I can't remember the priest's name, but he was a pretty famous priest, and, uh, and I, saw, I said before I went up to receive Holy Communion, now, there had to be a thousand people there. It was packed. It was, it was standing room only. And to my, right were, were, to my right and my left were mainly seated, I don't know, maybe 500 men on the right and 500 men on the left. I mean, there was a, it was mostly men. But in my heart, before I went up to receive Holy Communion, I said, Lord, I would love to receive Holy Communion from that priest because they had about ten priests. And that particular priest, and I'm thinking within myself, it ain't going to happen because he's way over there and i got a thousand people in front of him lining up already and blah, blah, blah. It ain't going to happen, okay? All of a sudden, here comes the priest, and lo and behold, guess who I received from? <laughs> it was miraculous. So I received Holy Communion from that particular priest, and I couldn't thank God enough. And all of a sudden, the, the other priest came with the monstrance with the host in it, and I saw Jesus in my heart and mind. I saw him come out of the Eucharist as the priest was holding the monstrance. Now, this priest was an elderly priest, and he was very joyful. He was absolute, actually jubilant. He was so joyful carrying the monstrance with the Eucharistic presence of Jesus in the monstrance. And he walked through the congregation, and he was, and he was so joyful. It was, like a little, it was like a child. And I saw Jesus come out of the Eucharist, and it was so beautiful. And, I, and then all of a sudden, I saw Jesus walking in front of the priest as a, as a 13-year-old boy. Now, I didn't see his face, but I, I, I saw him as a 13-year-old boy, and he had this absolutely gorgeous auburn, wavy auburn hair down below, uh, beyond his shoulders. I mean, just absolutely stunning. You know, I, but again, I didn't see his face. And he wore like a, um, a kingly cloak. It was the color of mercy, and it had the white around the cuffs, the, 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 the sleeve cuffs. And, you know, and, but it looked, looked like mercy. 
And as he was walking before the priest, our Lord was dancing jubilantly. I mean, literally, it was the most beautiful thing that i ever seen. Try to picture Jesus as a 13-year-old boy dancing so jubilantly. Reminds me of how King David danced jubilantly before the Lord. Right. And then he waves his hands. He waved his right hand. And, out this, and from his right hand, his grace flew out so beautifully into the crowd of men to my right. And, I, Bob, I literally saw my physical eyes as that was happening. Uh, the, the, um, all of these men started weeping. Every single one of the men was weeping as Jesus waved his hand toward them. It blew me away. And then he waved his hand to the left. And the same thing happened. Every single one of them, 500 men, started weeping. And I'm like saying to myself, oh, Lord, how beautiful. You're healing the men. And he was dancing jubilantly, and that was pretty much the end of my experience. And I don't want to say anything because I don't want people to think I was crazy. But, but what happened afterwards, we went to, after Mass, we, we decided as the group that I was with, we went to dinner. And who was this woman? Her name was Paulette. And I didn't tell her anything because I was afraid to tell anybody. But all of a sudden, she starts exclaiming. She goes, I want to tell you. And we're all sitting at the dinner table. She goes, I want to tell everybody what I experienced today. And I go, okay, great. She goes, I saw Jesus come out of the Eucharist. I go, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. She goes, and I saw him walk along the beach, and he went as far as he could go. And he came back, and he drew this circle in the stand, and he started dancing jubilantly in the stand. I go, oh, my goodness. He was dancing jubilantly in the aisle. She just had a totally different kind of, you know, twist to it, but it was, it was very similar to what I experienced. Yeah, and different said, environment. Different environment. And he goes to her. I'll, I'll try to cut it a little short. But he goes to her. He says, today, Paulette, he goes, um, oh, before I say that, I want to also say that during the time that I was experiencing that, he made me feel special, Bob. Not that I'm special, but I felt special. I mean, it was like my whole being, I felt incredibly special. And I'm saying to the Lord, I'm not that special. He goes, yes, you are. I go, no, I'm not. He goes, yes, you are. I go, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. He goes, <laughs> And it was almost like I was seeing the sign special flash in my mind, this big, um, this big uh, what do you call it, luminescent uh, neon sign. Anyways, but, she's, but to go back to Paulette, he says, today, Paulette, I made all of my children feel special. I was blown away. I could not believe what I was hearing because that's exactly what I heard. And she said he danced jubilantly and he healed the men. Oh, wow. What a confirmation. Really? What a confirmation. So is Jesus truly present? Yes. Absolutely, unequivocally, 100%. And he's out there just to give us his mercy and his love. He wants to make everyone feel special because you are. You're created in his image and likeness. He loves you. We are his children. We are children of, of of the eternal father by virtue of our baptism, and we're initiated into the sacramental life, especially Holy Communion, through baptism. So our Lord, Bob, I can't begin to tell you how beautiful, I mean, more beautiful than you can imagine, 
Now, were those visions on the same day? The same day, the same mass, on the Feast of Corpus Christi. Now, I I didn't see see that with my physical eyes. No, I understand. It's totally interior, but what a confirmation from this woman. You were in that church. Where was she? Uh, She was probably, I think she was seated ahead of me, about three or four or five rows. Oh, same church. Huh? In the same Same church, yeah. Wow. Yep. That's incredible. It is incredible. And I tell that story not to say, look at me, because I ain't nobody. I'm telling that to people because I want to express how true it is. That's, that's, all, that's all I'm trying to do is to spark that faith that Jesus truly is present. He really is present there. And we need to receive him with awe and reverence and make sure we make a good confession. We don't want to receive our Lord uh, with, with mortal sin on our souls. We don't want to do that. We want to make sure we go and make a good confession so we become back into friendship of God and receive him worthily with a clean heart and clean soul. Okay, when, I, when, we, were, when we were saying the um, decade yep. rosary, I was thinking about this friend of mine in Boston. His name is Father Tom DiLorenzo. Yes. He's been up here in Connecticut from time to time. And uh, I used to carry his radio program when I was back in, uh, in uh, upper Michigan, way, way far away. And uh, you know what the name of his church is? The Blessed Sacrament? No, he's in, he's in Winthrop. Okay. Winthrop, you can, and he's right under where the planes fly, you know, into Logan. Oh, man. Logan Airport, and he's right on the, they're close to the water there, and the planes come in for landing, and they go right over it. It's called, uh, what did I say, uh, Winthrop. The yes. name of his parish is Holy Rosary. <laughs> How fitting is that, Bob? I love it. Did you hear of a parish called Holy Rosary? Yes, I have, but not up there. Oh, you've heard of, you've heard of one. Yeah, there's one in Ansonia, Connecticut. But go ahead, I want to hear this story. No, no, no. That that's all. I mean, I could tell you lots of stories about him, but I just want to mention that I didn't know. I had never heard of a church called Holy Rosary before. So. Yeah, it, uh, there is one in, in Ansonia, Connecticut. The Holy Rosary. I think it's Ansonia, but it's it's uh, either okay. Seymour or Ansonia. Holy so you know, Rosary. Yeah, and the rosary is that, it's the key, it's the, um, it's, 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 the, it's the weapon, and, it, and the Our Lady weapon. inspires us with, with grace so that, to bring us to that kind of faith, you know, through the yep. rosary. But there's also saints too, Bob, where there's Eucharistic miracles happening, and uh, I'll tell you real quick of a story that I had, remember little Audrey? Oh, yes. Anyways, he went up and celebrated Mass, and during his Mass, he says during the consecration, he was shaking, and he explained to us before we were to receive Holy Communion, he says, forgive me, he says, I haven't been this nervous since my first Mass. But during the consecration, all of a sudden, when I lifted the chalice, it started filling with oil. 
holy oil. Not well, in other words, the precious blood was in there, but the chalice also filled with oil. And also oh. the Eucharist, the Eucharist was oozing oil. Now, I don't understand that, but we do, I do know that oil is symbolic of healing, you know. And one of the women, I received the Eucharist on my tongue. That's just practice that I, I like to keep. And it wasn't oily. But there was a woman that received on the hand. And she goes, and she placed the host in her tongue. And she turns to me and she says, look, Bob, my hand's got all oil in them. You know, so that's one Eucharistic miracle. Plus, there was other Eucharistic miracles. I think from a bishop from Little Audrey, where the where the where there was, uh, I think the Eucharist was blood on it. So I think that's what. But many other miracles where you see there's blood, and and scientists test the Eucharist, and it's real. It's human flesh. It's human blood, and I believe the blood type is what. Um, it's it's the universal blood type. What is it? A positive or? A, B, I, I forget, but it's the, one, the blood type that is universal, which makes sense. And uh, there were other saints, like I think, um, what were one that some of the Eucharistic saints where they survived only on the Eucharist? Can you think of any, Bob? I can't think of them offhand. No, but there was a nun, a nun, but I don't know her name. She went yeah. for a number of years just uh, living on the Eucharist. Yeah, I I, I gotta not, look at you know when in the old days when the when the door was when the churches were locked like they are today, right? In a lot of places, uh, they she used to kneel on the steps of the church. Then the church became the tabernacle. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and I know people that can't get out of the house. Right. And they visualize their church, their parish. From where they are. Wow. As the as the tabernacle. Yeah. See? You know that makes sense because you know God isn't bound by space and time. No. No. I mean, you could literally just meditate or or or, or you know imagine yourself being before the tabernacle in your own heart and mind, and you are. God will put you there. That's right. And I, I tell people, look at you know, you can you can do Eucharistic adoration from your own home. <laughs> it's I mean, if you can get to the church, yeah, it's far better. It's a it's the best thing to do. Yeah. God ain't bound by space and time. The only difference is at your own home, you're just sitting in a way, kind of sitting way in the back of the church, about five miles away. That's all. <laughs> That's all it is. If you think about it. <laughs> But it's good stuff, Bob. Yes, Jesus is truly present. He's he is there. And some, and, you know, uh, we've we've heard of some saints like uh, when when confronted with the Eucharist that they they uh, um, they um, oh they they kneel down and then they go prostrate. What you know? What, yeah. am, I, what am I trying to say? They. Uh, <laughs> They get slain in the spirit, if you will, or they go out in the spirit? What? They go out in the spirit? No, 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 but I mean, when they're, 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 they're falling down, and then they, they completely lie down. Yeah, that's lying prostrate and, and deep adoration. They're worshiping God. They're worshiping God. Okay, now we can do that. Yes, we can. And we can do that in our mind. You know, we Amen. Don't, we don't have to. We don't have to get down on the floor, actually. But we can. 
we can see ourselves lying prostrate before the tabernacle or before the Lord. Right. And yes, and you can do that in your own heart and mind. It's a disposition of heart and mind. Right. When you go before the Lord and you, you just acknowledge his presence in faith. And, and that's what I do. When I genuflect, I don't verbalize loudly in church because other people are praying. But in my heart, I sincerely, with a deep conviction, say, my Lord and my God, I love you, my Lord and my God, with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my spirit, with all my soul, with all my strength. Because I know you are truly present there. Now, most people, you know, you say, well, God is everywhere. Well, yes, he is. But he is most present, and in a very special way, in the Eucharist. I could literally look at the Eucharist and look at him and say, my Lord and my God, and like John the Baptist say, there is the Lamb of God, right there. I can't point to a tree and say, oh, God's presence is there. I could. But if I really want the true presence of, of God, body, blood, soul, and divinity in his whole substance, Eucharistic presence, folks. Here he is. We've got heaven on earth. We've got heaven on earth. We go into any church. You will find Jesus as he was 2,000 years ago, only under the veil of a sacrament, of the, under the veil of bread and wine. And he, and that's can how present, he, he can become present in our homes because he's living within us. That's right. So well, that's the whole idea behind the Eucharist. And our we Lord, have, we have to be aware of it. It's like someone said, if Jesus were to come to visit you, would you have to quickly hide some things in your home? Wow. Right? You know, that's why the people bring the gifts up to the altar. They bring the, the unconsecrated bread and the unconsecrated wine. What do they symbolize? What does the unconsecrated bread and wine symbolize? Well, that symbolizes us. Yeah. And when, 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 when we are to be transformed into other Christ, that's what happens at the consecration. And that's what we do. We are Eucharistic people. Yep. Our bodies are the temple of God like another tabernacle. It's not that Jesus is saying, oh, I want to remain in this, in this, in this host. I don't, he's like, I don't want to remain in the Eucharistic presence. I want to be consumed by you, and I want to be in you as a living host. Right. That's it. That's the whole idea behind the Eucharist, is that we become other Christ. We become like Mary, the first tabernacle, when she carried Jesus, just conceived to, his mother, to John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth. We are like Mary, carrying Jesus in her womb, we only carry Jesus in our heart and our soul, the very core of our being. And we are to become just like Mary to bring Jesus to the world. Amen. As, that's it. Well, we're out of time. All right. Do we have time for a little prayer and thanksgiving to God? Yes. In, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Eternal Father, we love you and we praise you and we thank you so much for all that you have given us, for giving us your Son, Jesus your only begotten Son, and given us our blessed Mother, St. Joseph, and all the holy angels and saints, given us the Eucharistic presence. Thank you, Jesus. I can't thank you enough. 
for giving us your true presence, body, blood, soul, and divinity, for us to feast on so that we can be transformed into you, into other Christs, so that we can glorify the Father as you did, and that we could do his will on earth as it is in heaven. And we thank you, Blessed Mother, for all you do and teach us. And we, and, um, we say one glory be to the Father, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. We'll see you next week, same time, same station, on WCAT Radio. Amen. Thank you, Amen. Okay, we hope you enjoyed the program and will join us back for another show on WCAT Radio. This is Sebastian Mafud. Good day.